Hello, I'm Emily Ralston, and I'm the Sustainability Engagement Facilitator at Capilano University. As we transition to online delivery models, I wanted to give you the opportunity to step away from behind your screen and have a truly sustainable experience. That's because sustainability is all about ensuring that one aspect doesn't come at the expense of another. That's usually what we refer to as the triple bottom line when we look at the social, economic, and environmental elements of a situation. In this case, I hope you'll use the next 30 minutes to help your physical, emotional, and professional well-being by getting outside, connecting with nature, and hopefully learning something new. If you happen to be going to campus, this would be a great time to walk around and even explore the Cap 50 Trail. This podcast is all about what you need to know about sustainability on campus. I'm going to talk about the grounds, waste, energy, water, and transportation. It's an introduction to what the university is doing and what you can do to help keep the campus green and safe. So I hope it gives you some insight and sparks interest in learning something new. All the links I mentioned in the podcast will be available on the Campus Sustainability module. When you're back in front of your computer, there'll be a short quiz and an opportunity to ask questions or share your feedback on what you've heard. So let's get started with Campus Grounds. If you haven't walked around the north end of campus along Skeena Road, behind where the Maple and Bosa buildings are, you may not know that CAP has a community garden. Back in 2013, the university built a community garden with the help of community volunteers, and it has over 60 plots that are tended by neighbors, staff, and students. And having the community garden on campus helps to promote local food security, organic farming practices, and outdoor learning environments. There's even an outdoor classroom with seating made from old logs. So I'd highly encourage you to check out a video of one of our groundskeepers, Joanne Cook, who talks about her passion for the community garden. The next thing on campus is the Cap 50 Trail, which was built as part of Capilano's 50th anniversary celebrations in 2018. And they created a 1.6 kilometer trail that meanders through the campus and the forest. It's a great way to breathe in some fresh air and enjoy some outdoor activity while discovering the natural ecology that the campus has to offer. There is even an app called iNaturalist that you can use to identify the plants and flowers you see out on your walk on campus. And you can even use it anywhere in BC. And if you sign up for the Cap 50, or sorry, Cap U50 BioBlitz, you can see species that have already been observed and recorded on campus on that app. So I highly recommend you downloading that. And the last thing you should know about the campus grounds is that it's bear country. So if you're new to North Vancouver, you may not know that the North Shore is home to a large population of black bears. A common misunderstanding is that bears are aggressive, but they really just wanna find food and be left alone. The most important thing you should know is not to leave food where they can access it. And that's why you're gonna see bear bins around campus. 
So these bins have a backward handle that makes it difficult for bears to open. It's also why residents on the North Shore aren't allowed to put out their garbage or food scraps out on the street until the morning of garbage pickup. So if you're walking along the North Shore, never discard your banana peel or any other type of food along a trail. It takes a really long time for it to biodegrade and it attracts bears to the area. As the saying goes, a fed bear is a dead bear. The more likely a bear is to find food in a populated area, the more likely conservation officers are gonna have to destroy it for fear of it getting too comfortable around humans. In the fall actually of 2019, a bear had to be destroyed because a group of Capilano students left their backpacks unattended while they went climbing. There was food in the backpacks and it attracted the bear. And it's really important that we learn from this experience. So please help keep these kind creatures safe. We're in their home and we wanna be able to live together without anyone getting hurt. You should definitely check out the North Shore Black Bear Society for more information um, if you plan on going down trails or if you live on the North Shore. So I guess the next segue might be to talk about waste. Um, but on a more positive note, you'll be happy to learn about the Green Tainer program that started at CAP back in 2018. All right, so the Green Tainer is a reusable container program that was started by a CAPU student to help reduce the number of single-use containers going to the landfill. And we're one of the first universities to implement the program, and it's actually free of charge to students. But we need your help to continue making it a success. Because the program is only effective if the green tainers are returned to the proper collection stations so that they can be washed and reused again. There may not be a collection bin on every floor, but there's definitely one in every building. And since the beginning of the program in 2018, we've managed to reuse the green tainers, about 2,000 of them, um, over 25,000 times, which is a pretty good success. So when the cafeteria reopens and reusable containers are allowed, please do your part by returning your green tainer to a collection bin so that they don't end up in the zero waste stations. Unfortunately, there is no one to fish them out if they get placed there by mistake. So for this program to have the environmental benefit that we're looking for, we need to use a green tainer at least 10 times so that it's better than using a single use container. All right, now on to zero waste stations. Okay, zero waste stations. So for the most part, CAP separates its waste into the same four categories as most municipalities in BC. So that's organics, paper, containers, and landfill. Sometimes it can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> um, if you aren't sure, it's better to put something in the garbage instead of contaminating a clean stream. So despite our best efforts to recycle everything, not everything can be recycled. And that's just because often things aren't designed to be recycled. They're made up of multiple material types and it's hard to separate. So it's not cost effective or energy efficient to recycle it. 
the unfortunate truth is that on average in Canada, only about 10% of what could be is recycled. And that's because people put in stuff that shouldn't be there or it's contaminated with food. And this contaminates other things that were carefully separated, which now makes it more likely that everything in the bag is now going to go to the landfill. And that's not what we're trying to do. We want to recycle and compost as much as we can and then discard what we can't into the landfill bin. So let's go over each of the four waste streams. The first one is paper. This should be the most straightforward one. It should really only be clean office paper and things like envelopes or newspapers and magazines. If it has food on it, don't put it in the paper bin. And for heaven's sakes, don't put anything with glitter in it. That includes birthday cards, you know, Christmas cards. Glitter is not recyclable and it is very problematic plastic that is wrecking havoc on our environment, especially in our oceans. So please think twice before buying anything with glitter. Now the second stream is organics. The only thing that should definitely go in here is food. If you can eat it, then put it in the organics bin. There's a few other things like dirty paper products, like dirty napkins, a wooden stir stick, maybe sugar packets, or takeout containers that are truly 100% paper fiber. Um, but this shouldn't be confused with paper containers that are lined with a plastic or wax film. If a liquid can't be absorbed into the paper, it's likely waxed or plastic lined and it should go into the landfill. This includes packaging that's labeled compostable, stuff like cutlery, soup bowls, or lids. The reason behind this is that the facilities where Capilano and lots of other places takes their organics to be processed is that it leaves the organic material to decompose outside for about six months. And this isn't long enough for the packaging to biodegrade. So while it's technically compostable, these products can only break down in the right conditions of heat, sunlight, and other factors. And this environment often isn't created in our climate or the facilities that we have. So what ends up happening at the end of six months is that the organic material that's decomposed mostly ends up as soil. But the compostable cutlery and packaging that hasn't broken down, that's filtered out and it's thrown into the landfill. This isn't just a problem in the lower mainland, it's a problem in most places. So until we have the facilities that can handle these compostable products, it's best just to turn, put them into the landfill because ultimately that's where they're ending up. Remember, if you're not sure, you should only put food in the organics bin. All right, now on to containers. The third waste stream is mixed containers. And this is where things can understandably start to get a little confusing. With so many different types of packaging out there, it's hard to know what's recyclable and what isn't. But typically, um, mixed containers include hard plastics, refundable beverage containers, glass jars, or metal cans. Um, remember, it's 
it's mostly hard plastics that have uh, a number on the bottom. Um, definitely don't put any, you know, stretchable or crinkly plastic that goes in the landfill. And the next thing that you should consider before putting something into the containers bin is whether it's contaminated with food. If you can't get your container relatively clean by emptying your leftovers into the organics bin or dumping the liquid into a sink or a fountain nearby, then please just put it in the landfill. Food is not recyclable, it's compostable. And putting something in containers that has food on it can contaminate everything else that's in the bag and lead to mold or other issues. Um, also packaging that looks like plastic but's labeled compostable, that doesn't go into containers because it's not actually recyclable. One other thing I'll mention is that it's mostly food packaging that's best recycled here. So you don't want to put in hard plastics like toys, electronic pieces, or clothes hangers, for example. Um, but I'll talk a little bit more about that um, later. And the last waste stream is landfill. And this basically includes everything else. So the rule of thumb is if in doubt, throw it out. If it's soft plastic that can be stretched or crinkled, if it's made up of multiple materials, put it in the landfill. It's better to keep the first three streams clean so that they can be properly recycled or composted than potentially contaminate it with something that doesn't belong there. So remember, no liquids anywhere. Please find a water fountain or dump the remainder of your drink in a sink before putting your bottle or cup in the zero waste station. And before I wrap up, I'm gonna give you three examples to test your knowledge of what goes in which zero waste stream. So first example, what would you do with a disposable coffee cup? the kind of cup that you'd get from Tim Hortons or your favorite coffee shop. Well, this is a three-part exercise. So the paper sleeve is usually clean and that should go into the paper bin. The coffee cup is likely plastic lined and that should go in the landfill. The third part, the plastic coffee lid, that can go into containers. Um, side note, if you want to bring your coffee cup back home, most residential blue bin recycling programs accept coffee cups. However, businesses and organizations don't currently have a recycling program for coffee cups. All right, example number two, a green tainer that you would collect from the cafeteria. So this is a trick question. The green tainer doesn't go in any of the zero waste streams. It needs to go in a green tainer collection bin. Remember, there's one in almost every building. And three, uh, a refundable beverage container. So I'm not sure if you know that you pay a 10 cent deposit on the drink that you buy. And that's to encourage people to return it to the store or a recycling depot. But if you're not concerned about getting the deposit back, then you'd put your beverage container in the containers bin. So to summarize, food goes in organics, clean paper goes into paper, hard plastics, glass and metal go into mixed containers, and everything else goes into the landfill. 
Um, but you may also have questions about how to recycle other stuff you find around your home. Can you recycle clothing, coat hangers, styrofoam? I've included some resources in the campus sustainability modules so that you can learn more. For example, there's something called the Waste Wizard that was created by the city of Vancouver that allows you to type in a product and it will tell you um, where it goes. Um, but there's even a more fun sorting game where you get to build a park complete with swing sets or totem poles, the more levels you complete. So do check those out. Next up is energy. You should know that CAP takes its climate responsibility very seriously. So what's CAP doing? The university, just like all public institutions in BC, is required to report on its greenhouse gas emissions. CAP became carbon neutral in 2010, i.e. there's no net release of carbon dioxide from our operations. That's because we've been able to cut our greenhouse gas emissions by 50% based on 2007 levels. And what we weren't able to cut, we reduced by buying carbon offsets. We've been able to reduce our energy consumption for heating and cooling buildings through advanced control systems or building automation. And the university also employs Wi-Fi sensing. This works with the DDC system or direct digital control that tells it where to send more air supply depending on the number of people in a room. CAP has worked hard to conserve energy, improve efficiency, and we've added electric vehicles to our fleet. So we're proud to say that we have been carbon neutral for quite some time. In addition, most lighting on campus is now automated, which means it'll turn off after there hasn't been any, been any movement detected in a room for about 15 minutes. When it comes to heating, heating buildings accounts for a significant portion of our energy use on campus. So we're always looking for ways to reduce the heating demand, but also make sure people are comfortable in their spaces. Because everyone's comfort level varies, it's a good idea to dress in layers in the winter so that we're not heating buildings more than we need, but everyone's you know, comfortable in their space. I know I tend to run cold, so I'll often bring an extra sweater or scarf to bundle up. And if I remember, I like to bring tea bags so I can use the hot water in the cafeteria or the CSU and make myself a warm tea. Now, what about the effects of climate change? Well, the university recently undertook a study to better understand how all three of our campuses are likely to be affected by climate change. We know that we can anticipate increased wind and rain events, as well as fires and smoke from fires. These are all going, going to pose a threat to the infrastructure and safety of the campus and its community. So right now, CAP is in the process of developing plans and taking measures to mitigate and adapt to these situations. But let's talk about what you can do to help with these efforts. Some of the suggestions I'm going to make may seem small, but when you consider the number of students and staff on campus, individual behaviors can really add up. For example, lighting. 
Even though the lights are automated, it's always a good habit to turn off the lights when you leave a room. It will cut down on the amount of time the lights are left on before they turn off. There's also lots of different ways we use energy during the day, but don't necessarily think about. For example, taking the stairs instead of the elevator is not only better for your health, it, you know, it helps get your heart rate up, it builds muscle, but it's a, also a great way to avoid small enclosed spaces, which we're all trying to do during COVID-19. It also makes the elevator more accessible for those who can't take the stairs and need to use the elevator. Now, remember when I mentioned about the increased threat of fires on campus? If you're a smoker, you should know that there are designated smoking areas on campus. And while you might be tempted to have a cigarette close to the forest, because maybe it's more convenient, you should know that so many forest fires have been started because of someone carelessly discarding a cigarette where they shouldn't have. This has devastating impacts on people, personal property, and animal habitat. So if you smoke, please think twice before having a cigarette near the forest and make sure you dispose of your cigarette butt in the appropriate receptacle. Now, even though it can get very dry in the summer, you probably know that it can also get very wet here. So let's move on and talk about water. If you haven't already noticed, uh, the west coast of Vancouver is situated in a rainforest, which explains what can often feel like months of never-ending rain. But we're also very fortunate to have a freshwater reservoir, which is located on the North Shore Mountains. And it actually offers some of the best drinking water in the world. So before you go out and buy a bottled water, consider investing in a reusable water bottle that you can fill up at any of the refill stations around campus. You're, you're gonna recover your cost in less than 10 bottled water purchases, and it's a great way to help reduce single-use plastic, which just ends up polluting our environment. When it comes to water conservation, you should also know that most of CAP's toilets, faucets, and water fountains are low flow, which uses water more efficiently. Now, finally, we're going to move on to transportation. When it comes to getting on campus, there's lots of ways to get you here. We strongly recommend that you use public transit since you receive a TransLink Compass card as part of your student fees, and there's multiple bus routes that'll get you up the hill. If you want a carpool, CAP offers free parking to groups of three or more who carpool together. The only challenge is that you have to find your, or your own carpooling buddies and the rules are pretty strict. So that means that it has to be the same three people who are getting out of the car if you wanna park in the carpool parking stall. Um, if you have a personal Evo car share account, there's plenty of Evo parking on campus and at the residence. Now for those considering biking to campus, it's totally doable. There's lots. Well, okay, there's a good amount of people who bike here. I've done it a few times myself, but I did finally break down and buy an e-bike because my commute is pretty long. 
but there's several bike racks around campus and there's even a secure bike locker um, that's available by registering. And the university usually promotes bike to work or bike to school events in May through hub cycling, where you can log your kilometers cycled and track the amount of greenhouse gases saved. So definitely keep your eye out for that. To wrap things up, I want to share a few ways that you can get involved in sustainability on campus. There's a few opportunities depending on the level of commitment and your interests. So I would suggest that you start by checking out the CSU, the Capilano Student Union, um, their club directory to see if there's an active environmental club. The projects and the activities are going to vary depending on student interests and the semester. So definitely check in with them and see what's going on. The next one is the co-curricular record. Do check out the CCR and Career Hub to learn about upcoming volunteer opportunities. Positions are typically a few hours of commitment and they can range from helping out at an event to getting hands-on at an invasive species pull on campus. Another one is CAPU Works, um, which is a student-driven sustainability program where students are employed to lead outreach and engagement activities to promote a more sustainable campus. So it's typically a team of five or six students who work together and they organize activities to promote um, more sustainable behaviors and add a little fun to campus life. So topics can vary, but typically focus on waste reduction, energy and water conservation, social justice, and food security. The application for the fall intake is usually in April. Um, so if you want to be notified about the job posting, email me at sustainability at capilanou.ca. Um, another great opportunity is Earthworks. Uh, this is a film and lecture series that's hosted on campus and it's open to the public. They have some really great speakers and films, so definitely keep an eye out for that. It's free to attend. And it, you can obtain an Earthworks notation on your transcript by attending, I think it's three events and participating in a hands-on activity. Um, so it's definitely worthwhile checking out. And if you have any ideas, we're always interested to hear about them and what you'd like to see or do on campus. Uh, again, you can email sustainability at capilanou.ca to connect. And we can also advise you on current activities that might not be advertised. So this wraps up Campus Sustainability 101. I hope you learned something new and maybe even feel inspired to get involved. Remember, um, if you could complete the survey on eLearn and also share any questions or feedback on what you heard, that would be great. Take care. Bye.